and welcome to A Court of Three Strands, the Palatine Institute's podcast on creating Christian culture. Through this show, we hope to provide a resource of education and encouragement for students, parents, and leaders about the revival of Christian values in our community. On A Court of Three Strands, we'll focus on the three foundational strands that make a strong, flourishing Christian culture, the church, the family, and education. We desire to order these things around God's word to advance Christ's kingdom and so glorify him and bless our community. My name is Ron Young, former headmaster at Providence Academy and founder of the Palatine Institute. And I'm Allison Tuttle, a wife and mother and the director of the Palatine Institute. Through our conversations, we look forward to sharing fellowship, knowledge, and practical wisdom for his glory here on A Court of Three Strands podcast. Without further ado, let's get on with the show. Welcome back to A Court of Three Strands. We are in the midst of a four-part series on the work of the people. Thus far, we've discussed worship or liturgy and evangelism, and today we plan to discuss spiritual warfare. Yes, spiritual warfare. That sounds ominous. It does. I know. Yeah, um, this is where the Palatine Institute goes charismatic. Um, I'm, I'm just teasing. Yeah, spiritual warfare. So we have a king... Right, Jesus, who has come to take authority um, in this world, and who's he taking the authority from? The devil, right? Yes, right. I, I don't know if you remember uh, when Jesus first started his ministry, he he gets tempted by Satan, yeah. and Satan asks him, you know, hey, you know, can you turn these? You know, he's hungry. You know, turn these. If you're really the son of God, you know, turn the the yeah. stones to bread and. Um, but the, the the pinnacle of this is when he 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 takes him and shows Satan shows Jesus all the kings of the world and says, I'll give you all of this if you just bow to me, if you just worship me, right? And and Jesus didn't go, Well, wait, you're you don't own this. <laughs> this these kingdoms aren't yours. Um, the reality is they are, they were, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so rather than taking the easy way out and and worshiping Satan, and you shouldn't do that, by the way. Um, <laughs> Jesus took the long way out. He stayed faithful and obedient to his Father, and uh, died on the cross on our stead, in our stead. And um, by doing this, he's disarmed the powers of darkness. Uh, he ro- rose from the dead. He sits at the right hand of the Father. There's a war in heaven. He, uh, you know, Satan's been cast out of the heavenly realms. And as Jesus said, right before he ascended to heaven, he says, all authority, all authority has now been given to me, right? It's, it's, it's Jesus's. So, so the world was the dominion of Satan, and now it is no longer the dominion of Satan. And when we share the gospel, the good news of our king, uh, it's, it's basically an announcement of the fact that he is one. Mm-hmm. He is, he has victory over Satan. Now, Satan still uh, prowls around, still roams around. He's still not, not the kingdoms of the world just now have to submit to him. Right. So that's, yes. so that's where we're at. So, so Jesus has claimed ownership. Uh, he has won the battle. All authority has been given to him. We see that, that um, scene in, in uh, Daniel where the son of man comes to the ancient of days to God, the father. And he's given this kingdom and all power and authority, and his kingdom will last forever and ever. So 
we in the church, we are we are the people who have heeded the call, that believed the gospel, accepted it. We've been we we're now part of His kingdom, and uh, we then, as ambassadors, basically of this kingdom, mm-hmm. <laughs> we tell the kingdoms of the world that are in rebellion against the the true King, uh, you need to repent and submit yourself to to the the King. Um, so this is. Um, not easy. <laughs> no. Yeah. People Be- don't like that message. No. no. And and there is a defeated foe who's roar- who's like a, a lion mm-hmm. ready to pounce on anyone. Um he he is a um you know that that's where they're most dangerous, right? When your opponent gets injured. Right. right? <laughs> so they're the maddest. They're the maddest. And and so Satan is is angry. Um, he is lost. He knows it. He knows his destiny is hell. He's really bound and determined to take all that he can with him. And so we have spiritual warfare. And um, it is uh, not an option to be involved in spiritual warfare. Now, I think a lot of times when we talk about spiritual warfare, uh, I think the number one thing people think of is is that like casting out demons, mm-hmm. right? That there's, and and I will say that that that's true. That happens. Um, I, I, I've known many a missionary who's, who's been to uh, places where there's demon possession and, and a lot of demonic things. They've had to cast out demons and things in the United States. It's um, it's not as common, mm-hmm. uh, but the demonic activity does occur. And you and I, Allison, we're talking about this. I have stories. I, I'm not going to share the stories at at least at this time, maybe we'll do a special podcast where we can just chat about our demon stories. Um, now they're intrigued. Yeah. I, I'm probably going to have to do that. Yeah. That'd be interesting. Um, the, the, the gist of it is this, the, the, the confrontation with demonic powers um, are in the United States are going to, I think are going to become more common mm-hmm. as our world becomes you know, went from being Christian to post-Christian to and secular to now pagan. Yeah, can I ask a question about that? Yeah, sure. Um, can you talk about like um spiritual warfare looking different here as opposed to like an African country? Yes. Is that do you think just because Satan uses different schemes or yes. and or there is something about our nation that is different inherently in the way that we see Satan work. Does yeah. that make sense? I don't know. Oh, absolutely. I, I'm going to say it's both and. All right. Okay. So so one is, and this is a great uh, intro. Um, so one of the things that we hear from the Apostle Paul is that we are to be um, we are to be aware of the schemes or methods of the evil one. Mm-hmm. Right. So um, and so, you know, Satan's no dummy. <laughs> he's he's a lot smarter than we are. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and he's, you know, he has, uh, schemes, he has plots, he has tactics, he's strategies. He, he, he really thinks a lot, I'm guessing about deceiving the world. Mm -hmm. So it's going to depend on, um, what's going to benefit, uh, his scheme as to what he does. So if you're in a country that has never been necessarily, Christianized or mm-hmm. brought, you know, the gospel brought to it has not, um, you know, cast out those demons, those types of things. 
Uh, there's there's usually a strong sense of animism. That is that they they really believe in the spiritual realm, right. and Satan uses overt. Um, displays of power to keep people in fear of him, Mm -hmm. Um, whether it's through the guise of uh, idols or the use of magic or witchcraft. um, As long as he can keep people in fear, uh, he's got them where he wants them. Mm -hmm. Now, in America, we have uh, this history of Christianity Um, not perfect Christianity, mind you, but, but, you know, Mm -hmm. for, for the most part, most of the people who have come to America uh, over many years were uh, a lot of them came because of religious persecution and came so that they can worship Christ in the way they felt was um, was what Scripture was telling them to. Mm-hmm. And so you have a, a a Christian culture where the forces of Satan have not been um, that powerful, you might say. Um, but, but the method of the evil one now, like, because we went from being Christian to post-Christian or secular is that you have a lot of people who assume that the spiritual realm doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. And if Satan shows his head, you know, shows his power, it, it might, um, it, it might get people to change their mind about a spiritual realm. Right. It might have the reverse effect that he would like. It would have the reverse effect. Mm-hmm. So I think for many years, we don't see a lot of overt demonic activity. I mean, it's still there. You'll see it. I, I, I've been in ministry for like 30 years now. And, um, and as Alice and I were talking offline, I've had like two significant uh, demonic things where it was like, this is crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and. And again, maybe we'll have a special episode and we can talk about those stories. Um, but that's not a lot. I mean, I, I mean, out in my, in my entire life too. Right. Um, but I know that demons are active. I know Satan's active, and uh, and so his method has not been overt power. Uh, today, as younger generations are becoming more intrigued with spiritual things, just not, just not Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they're looking, you know, crystals and uh, occult activities, uh, Wicca, witchcraft. I, I think now you have Satan showing up by doing things mm-hmm. um, in a way that's tricking them into being this benevolent spirit. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you you know, you talk to any Wiccan witch, I, I think there's and I've known some is um, they see themselves as white witches. They see themselves as good witches. Mm-hmm. They're, they're only going to do good things with their power, mm-hmm. um, even though it's satanic, right? Mm-hmm. And it's against, it's against Christ and his kingdom. It's, right. it's, it's evil. Um, so the, the new agey kind of stuff is, is uh, or as I call it, we're, we're becoming pagan again in America. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what you'll see is more, openness to spiritual things. I think as if, if the culture continues to decline that way, I believe you'll start seeing more of the overt power stuff from Satan, uh-huh. which means that we as the church probably need to be more aware of that. And um, I had a, a great professor in seminary, um, Jerry Reed, who was a missionary for many years in South Africa or South America. And um, with lots of occasion to encounter demonic possession and other things. And, and he had a, for us, he said, uh, 
we we might not ever encounter during our ministry demonic possession or, or demonic act, you know overt demonic activity and his uh his um teaching to us at at uh, North Park Theological Seminary was this um if it is god will surely let you know and god will tell you what to do mm-hmm. right and and as Alice and I talked about our my stories that's that's exactly what happened right like i didn't it's like it just came to me mm-hmm. and that's from the holy spirit like god is telling me this is demonic he's telling me what to do and um and it and and christ is more powerful than satan mm-hmm. and so bam right yeah and and there's also and it it's not formulaic either right so like jesus in when he was around uh, if you recall he's up on on the mount of trans you know he transfigures and he comes down and there's a there's a demon possessing this this child mm-hmm. and um the disciples couldn't do anything and jesus said oh this is <laughs> this kind of you need a prayer and fasting right right so at the time there jesus is on the earth with them the holy spirit hasn't been given to the disciples right they didn't know they were just they were just trying to use the i think the formula or or what they saw jesus doing yeah and it wasn't working so now now that we have the holy spirit um he'll communicate to us what what is needed mm-hmm. so that's it's kind of how i see things um but but I will say that the the main method of the evil one that that I see in our culture is is this it it goes back to the garden and in the garden you remember um, Satan just simply says did God really say this mm-hmm. right yeah that's the main method of the evil one it is to get you to doubt what God God's word mm-hmm. and more than that as he leads people astray from God's word he creates. Um, he creates a world with words that aren't gods, mm-hmm. um, that entraps us, that makes us believe false things. Um, it is, um, like Paul says this in, in, um, second Corinthians 10, uh, four through six, he says, for the weapons of our warfare are not the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. Now, now listen to this. What is, what are these strongholds that we're destroying? Here we go. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take thought or every thought captive to obey Christ, uh, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. Now, think about that. So what Paul is saying is that uh, this this warfare that we're fighting um, is about arguments and thoughts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we either are going to believe what the word of God says about reality and about our lives and about what is right and wrong, or we believe a lie to our own detriment. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, you know, in, in Ephesians, Paul says in chapter two, two through three, he says uh, he talks about the way you once lived, you know, before we were in, in Christ, we we walked a certain way. He says, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, 
and we're by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Okay, so so in this verse, we see three kind of enemies uh, at work against God. They are our flesh, mm-hmm. <laughs> they are the world, and the devil. Okay, so the flesh, the world, and the devil. The flesh is the easy one to talk about. Because we've all sinned and been in disobedience to God, our, our nature is uh, fallen. Mm-hmm. And so the desires of our flesh lead us astray. We, we sin because, well, we want to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's our flesh. That's the easiest one to explain. Mm-hmm. But then we have the devil, Satan. And, and as we talked about from 2 Corinthians, um, he, is, he is trying to get us to not believe his word, right? Mm-hmm. So that's, that's the battle against Satan. But there's this other part in which Satan has created and influenced the people of this world, the world, mm-hmm. um, to create cultures that are oppressive towards belief. Right. So you have our so you have the culture of this world is um, is attacking one, our beliefs about God, you know, the, the words that we use, the, you know, everything, and also um, entices our desires to go against God. Mm-hmm. Right. Which is why we not only um, not only do we need to. Um, individually, I guess, battle our flesh and trust God's word, it's imperative that we work on Christian culture, mm-hmm. especially for our children's sake, mm-hmm. that they can they can grow up within a, a flourishing Christian culture that speaks the truth about reality, mm-hmm. um, God's truth about reality, what God's word says. So they have a clear knowledge and understanding of God and his word so that when the world outside the church or the the world that fights against God's word, they can easily see it mm-hmm. <laughs> and they can fight the arguments. Mm-hmm. They can take every argument um, uh, and every lofty opinion against the, the knowledge of God and destroy them. Mm-hmm. So that's <clears throat> classical Christian education, ladies and gentlemen, classical Christian education. If you don't have a classical Christian school in your town, uh, start one. Give me a call. Uh, I'll help you out. All right. There's my public service announcement. <laughs> um, but that, that's, that's the idea. We, we have, um, that's our spiritual battle. That's the warfare we're fighting. There's, there's overt demonic power, I guess. Mm-hmm. But I think that'll be kind of rare, mm-hmm. but getting more common. Um, but the main one has to do with this full assault on God's word. So the work of the people then yes. with regard to spiritual warfare is that we are guardians of God's word. Yes. And then called to obedience. Yes. And that there, it seems as if there's some level of protection for God's people. Yes. Through obedience. Correct. Yes. And so now this is why, um, this is why, a really good pastor is a word Nazi, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? Um, that we should, uh, so like at Jacob's Well, I'll just use our church for, for instance. Um, we, have a, we have a pastor who leads worship, um, but uh, we 
kind of go over lyrics in songs, mm-hmm. right? So we have con- a lot of contemporary music and it doesn't matter. There's, um, you know, truth be told, everybody, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I like hymns a lot, right? My ideal worship service, we're singing psalms and hymns from a hymnal. Yes. The old stuff is good. It is. I, I even like organ music with particular songs, right? Now that's, that's me. And I know that's a matter in some ways, a matter of taste. Mm -hmm. Um, So when we, when we're looking at contemporary music, we're not trying to say like, there are some songs I I just don't care for, but that's not the criteria. What we're doing is we're looking at the words. What, What are the words saying? Are the words going against what God's word says? If we, right. Right. Um, because that's, we have to, we have to be guardians of that, mm-hmm. right? So um, I, I remembered uh, having some major battles when I pastored back in the 90s when uh, there were, um, boy, in early 2000s, but, but different songs that people loved to sing and they were just so wrong. Right. <laughs> you know, they're just yeah. so wrong. Like, how, how can we sing this? So um, I remembered, uh, was it uh, open the eyes of my heart? Lord, open the eyes of my heart. You know, that... Mm-hmm. I want to see you. I want to see you high and lifted up, you know, that type of thing. And, you know, singing holy, holy, holy. And um, you, you might go, well, what's wrong with that? Well, let me let me start for you. All right. So so number one is when the, the king was high and lifted, when the Lord is high and lifted up, he's in this position of judgment. You know, it's from Isaiah. Mm-hmm. And you don't want to see him because that's going to mean your destruction, your undoing. Like, when Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up, he fell down as if dead. And he, he said, woe to me for I am undone. Mm-hmm. Like the molecules of my body are going to fly apart because I live, I'm a sinner. I live among people of unclean lips. You know, mm-hmm. I, I have unclean lips. I, I, he cannot, cannot be in his presence because of his holiness and his sin. Mm-hmm. Right. So the angel comes and touches his mouth, you know, and he, and he, he can do it. Right. Um, no one except for one person in the Bible asked to see God. And that was Moses. And God says, uh, no, cause you'll die. Mm-hmm. But what I'll do is I'll put you in the cleft of the rock. I'll walk by and you can see the train of my glory. In other words, after I've walked past you, then you can open your eyes and look yeah. and you'll survive that. Okay. Right. And it, it was so glorious and so holy, whatever, it transfigured his face. his face. And so it was glowing. He had to wear a veil so people would stop staring at him. Mm-hmm. And, and it started fading eventually. Right. So um, John, uh, you know, after the resurrection, after the Holy Spirit's been put on, uh, John, uh, the, the beloved disciple, the one who, who laid his head on Jesus' breast, uh, goes to heaven and sees this uh, sight of of heaven, and he too falls like he's dead. Mm-hmm. Like it's right. So the idea of casually singing holy, 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 like as if it's just some song to it's some trite lyric, right? Um, is is crazy? Yeah. Juxtaposed to I want to see him. It's it's dumb. It is. It's unbiblical. It's unbiblical. Yes. And and here's the problem, Allison. Most people are going to get their understanding of holiness through the song they sing rather than what Scripture says. Mm-hmm. So we have to be vigilant on that, right? So there's many other examples I can I can cite, 
But but we as elders and pastors in the church have to be very careful that we are teaching what God's word says um, truthfully mm-hmm. and rightly. And even though the rest of the congregation really loves that song, if it's not right, we can't sing it. Mm-hmm. It's not, yeah. I, I one time I told a, a, we sang a song that was in a hymnal and, uh, and I, I said, we can't sing the song anymore. And uh, worship guy said, why not? I said, because it, it confuses the persons of the Trinity. And I go, what? he goes, what do you mean? I go, well, well, it says this about the Father, and then this about the Son, and then, you know, who's, who are we singing to, the Father or the Son? Mm-hmm. And he goes, I, he goes um, I, I don't think it matters. I go, what do you mean? You're either, either the words we're proclaiming in church, either, we're worshiping the living God who's our audience, mm-hmm. or, or we're just doing it because we like to. Mm-hmm. It makes us feel good. It makes us feel good. Right. And if we, if we just, if it just makes us feel good, we can sing whatever we want. We might as well sing, you know, secular songs or something. Right. But, um, but if, if we don't know if we're addressing the father or the son, we're just singing words that we're not even comprehending. Then is that really worship? Mm-hmm. No, we can't do that. We have to be guardians of it. Right. So it's, it's a, and then, um, and then being careful not to borrow the language of the secular world. I'll, I'll give you an example on that. So when you look at um, homosexual acts, right, sodomy, that, okay, where did that word come from? Sodom and Gomorrah, I presume. Right, because the people of Sodom wanted to sodomize the angels. Mm-hmm. And so that act was forever known as sodomy. Mm-hmm. Um, we stop talking about people as sodomizers or sodomites and began um, talking about um, homosexuals. And homosexuals has to do with love of the, of the same, of the same mm-hmm. right? In other words, it's, a, it's, not, it's no longer about an act. It's about being. Mm-hmm. As soon as the church started using the words that aren't prescribed biblically, but are modeling what the world says, then we're on a slippery slope. Mm-hmm. Because then, then you get to a point of like, well, then um, if we talk about the Bible being against homosexuality, um, the people today who have grown up in that culture then say, you're, you're, this is a tack about who I am. Personhood. Like who I am. Yeah. Not about this particular act. Yeah, correct. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's, and now it's, man, and, and because we haven't been faithful with words, now we're struggling. Right. And so we have to be careful with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, but that's what Satan loves. He, he would love for us to not believe. He'd love for us to use different verbiage, different, you know, things, gender inclusive language started before gender confusion. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So when I when the Bible has talked about so Adam was the first man, and all throughout the you know Hebrew, uh, Adam means like mankind, but it could also mean the personal name of Adam, the first human, or it could mean man, like mm-hmm. a man. Mm-hmm. Um, and and languages from 
cultures that have been Christian, I guess, have used the same thing. So I grew up and we would talk about, you know, if I talked about, uh, you know, one one small step for, you know, man, one giant leap for mankind or whatever, you know, we, we all know what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. But because gender inclusivity came in and separated the idea of, of men and women as, you know, it mm-hmm. now you can't, the language is skewed and now people see it as skewed. Mm-hmm. And that, and it's hard to come back from that. Mm-hmm. So how can, like, how can we lay people be guardians of God's word? I, I think the, the one is just be careful how you, what you talk and don't capitulate to the, don't, as best you can, don't capitulate to the, to the culture mm-hmm. um, and then add uh, and, and teach your, your children. Mm-hmm. Right now, I'm not saying you can't say humankind or something like that or human. I, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that the consequences of how we capitulated the language that the church did and our biblical translations did, um, it it now makes it sound like men and women are completely different. I I don't know. We can't even now we can't even define what a woman is. Right. It's just all confusion. Yeah. Yeah. And and the Bible taught things like uh, headship. Mm-hmm. There's like a, a federalness. We talked about this in a different episode. Not you know, no one I did. Yeah. Right. So um, so the idea of a of uh, the head of a man um, as the head of a woman is it has to do with the marriage relationship. Mm-hmm. So there's you know there's she and there's he, but then there's a we, and simply the the man is man is talking. About, is the one who gets to pronounce the we. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean he's getting his way. Right. It's he's the representative of their household. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the, the, the uh, women's suffrage movement, right? Mm-hmm. So this is, this, this was, um, this is going to sound horrible. <clears throat> Ron Young officially is not saying that I don't think women should vote. That's please don't take that this way. And, and am I saying that we should go back to the way it used to be? I don't even know. I'm just saying that in the past, the head of the household voted. Mm-hmm. It, the, the conception of individuals voting for themselves is new in human history, mm-hmm. especially in a Christian nation. Because society was ordered based on the unit of the family. Correct. Yeah. So what would happen is, is that the male was the head of the household. And so the male voted for on behalf of the household. Mm-hmm. So your household might have, you know, 10 people in it, but, don't, but your household only gets one vote. Mm-hmm. You, so you're voting for the household. Right. Um, women's suffrage was, you know, there's probably abuses and I probably should study this more, but um yeah, you know, in the in the law, it depended on the law. Like in America, I think that if if a husband were to die, the the household was in the woman's name. And I I'm thinking that some states allowed a woman to vote as the head of the household, mm-hmm. um, and some states not. You know, mm-hmm. but it, it's the um, but since women's suffrage and since that has that's people. People today don't think that way at all anymore, right. even though that's the biblical way. Uh-huh. 
right? So if we're if we're to align ourselves with truth of God's word, we'd understand there's a such a thing as a household, mm-hmm. and um, and and there's a and there's headship within the household, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean that you know men are just doing what they want, and they're I mean, media likes to portray it as just you know right. Oh, patriarchy is horrible and right. Yeah. But men who are submitting under the lordship of Jesus Christ and his word. Yeah. Aren't like that. No, no. And if they are, their elders will go after them. Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. The main victim in uh, the feminist movement has been women. Mm -hmm. And I don't think I'm saying anything controversial. I mean, people don't mind not like thinking that way, but um, it's kind of true. And maybe children. Women and children. Women and children. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I heard some, if you look at the laws um, on, um, based on what's valuable or not, in the past, if there was any kind of divorce or separation, uh, the man always had, his, had the children. Um, nowadays, um, you know, all things being equal, right? Uh, the women always get the children. And, and I, I think there's some things where that's that's not good because the man wants to be more involved with their children's lives. But in in most of the cases, it simply means that things are going to be worse for the woman and children. Right. Uh, I think I read once where where uh, after a divorce, um, uh, women tend to ha- become very unhappy, and men. <clears throat> I'm not. I'm just going to stop there. And and it's, you know. When when uh, when a man doesn't grow up thinking that they have a responsibility to take care of their household, mm-hmm. when they think we're just two people who are cohabitating, cohabitating, um, and we got married so we can you know buy a house together or something, mm-hmm. and that's the extent of it that you don't that a man doesn't bear responsibility for their family, then it's uh, it's not a good place, right? I. The statistics about how many women are in depression or on medication or anxiety and you name it. It's 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 almost like there was a protection that has been lifted from them. And it's and surprise, surprise, God had ordained things a certain way. Right. And and now it's not that way. And Satan has said because it promises freedom and goodness and and it's not. Yeah, it's not good. And I'm not blaming women. I'm not. I'm just saying this is the culture, and it's and it's been satanic. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, read the Bible. That that's a good good way to start. Read the Bible. Mm-hmm. Read. You want to see what a patriarchal society looks like and its treatment of women? Read Proverbs thirty one. Mm-hmm. I mean, seriously, read through Proverbs thirty one. I don't think she's oppressed. No, she's thriving. <laughs> she's thriving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and. Uh, but but yeah, this is our our battle. I'm going to put one more thing out here in terms of spiritual warfare. Yeah. Yeah. Ready? Remembering then that the world is at there's this war happening between the forces of darkness and Christ in His glorious light. We have as His people the responsibility, the work of the people, uh, to bring the world before God in prayer. Mm-hmm. Bring the world before God on behalf of the world as priests. Um, we bring these things to God. Mm-hmm. And so part of the spiritual warfare is that 
is praying for our world, praying for people, interceding on their behalf. Mm-hmm. Um, our father Abraham, right? he, he here is speaking of Sodom. Okay, so, so again, re- I, I want everyone to, to recall this. This is, here's, here's, the, here's how a person of faith, Abraham, um, responds when he hears that one of the most wicked places in human history, Sodom, might be destroyed, mm-hmm. right? So it's five cities on the plain, Sodom, Gomorrah, Adma, Zeboim, and Zoar. And you go, Adma, Zeboim, I've never heard of them. Well, they were worse than Sodom and Gomorrah, and part of their punishment is no one remembers them. <laughs> I tell this to my class every year, and they, they all, by the end of the year, forget about Adma and Zeboim. But it's in there, right? Adma and Zeboim. And um, the angels of the Lord who have been toasted by Abraham and Sarah, um, they're about to walk off and they say, shouldn't we tell Abraham what we're about to do since he's going to be this mighty nation? And, mm-hmm. you know, they're, in other words, he's going to invite them into the, the, um, into this worldly, uh, I don't know, battle conflict, uh, you know, he's, he's going to become a friend of the court, right? Mm-hmm. Literally, Abraham is known as God's friend. And when we think of that, we think friend means buddy, buddy. But friend has the idea of someone who stands in counsel with someone, mm-hmm. right? So, uh, and we use that friend of the court, amicus brief, right? So if there's a, a some issue going on in the Supreme Court, you might re- write a, and you're a law group or something, you might write a, a, a brief, as a friend of the court. So being a friend means you can, you can Weigh be in. brought into the counsel yeah. of this, mm-hmm. this issue. So, so God invites Abraham into the issue. Mm-hmm. And, um, and the issue is we've heard the outcry and it's wicked and we're going to go see and, and judge. Mm-hmm. And, and Abraham stands before God and pleads for the people there. Mm-hmm. Please, won't you save it for the sake of, it goes to, you know, 10 righteous people, yeah, five cities. Mm-hmm. Would you spare it just for 10? And God was agreeable to that. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, <laughs> he didn't find any, right? Mm-hmm. Lot, maybe. Even that's a questionable maybe. thing. <laughs> yeah. But but here, here we go. He wipes out four of the five cities. He spares Zoar for Lot's sake. This is how gracious God is. God does no pleasure in the destruction of wicked people. None, none, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so this is this is the image that we have of what we should be as spiritual descendants of Abraham. Mm-hmm. That we should stand before God and plead, yeah, for His mercy, for His mercy, yeah, on this world, for the sake of the world, not for my sake. I'm not. I'm not. The instruction isn't to, we can go before God and re- make our requests known. Like if I have, I can, I can be a suppliant, right? I can, I can ask God for the things that I need. And he asks us to ask him, which is great because we're his children, mm-hmm. you know, and, and what earthly father is not going to listen to their kids if they need bread or something, you know, we're, mm-hmm. he's, he's better than we are and he's going to give it to him. But like in first um, Timothy um, chapter two, right? He's, he's asking that um, prayers be made, all types of prayers uh, for all kinds of people, but it says for the sake of the world, mm-hmm. 
right? For their sake, not for our sake, but for their sake. And that's part of the job of the church. And I call it part of our spiritual warfare because this is where the battle is. Mm -hmm. Not with flesh and blood, um, but it's a spiritual battle. When I, when I see someone who's uh, doing evil things, um, my first gut instinct is I can't stand that guy. <laughs> right. But if I give it any pause, I should understand this is a spiritual, spiritual problem. I cannot fault that person for being in ignorance and, and you know, he doesn't yeah. know any better. Right. I'm going to plead to God that God would open his eyes, that God would have him repent. Mm -hmm. So that's our, that's part of the work of the people, the mm -hmm. spiritual warfare, guarding his word. Um, there's some overt things that we might have to do, casting out a demon in Jesus' name or what have you. Um, but it's mainly about those ideas and arguments and then, um, and then interceding on behalf of the world. Mm -hmm. So go do this. Everyone. <laughs> Get in the fight. Yeah, that's right. All right. Until next time.